My name is Tamar Garr, Director of the Institute of Advanced Studies at UCL. Together with Albert Brenschat, who sets up the theme of this podcast, we've been curating and commissioning speculative pieces that address our current situation from the indispensable perspectives of the arts, humanities and social sciences. This is the seventh episode in our series. Here, Zoltan Boldishar Shimon takes up the word and the concept of the unprecedented, repeated now almost to the point of meaninglessness. What Shimon asks makes something qualify as unprecedented. How is the word used? What are its temporal dimensions? And how does it create a notion of the pre-evental and the post-evental? What, he asks, is the future of the unprecedented? And can we know it before it has already happened? Zoltan Shimon is the author of History in Times of Unprecedented Change, a theory for the 21st century, and the Apocalypse event, transformations in the entangled human, technological, and natural worlds. I'm Albert Bintar, and we reach out Zoltan Bodisha Shimon to put into question why politicians, businesses, and the media, if not other scientists, are addressing us with the same pattern message, accompanied in commercials with a somber piano melody that you can hear in the background at the moment. For you, with you, people, family, now, more than ever, here to help, together, 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 home, 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 difficult, uncertain, and uncertain times, in uncertain times, in uncertain times, uncertain times, unprecedented times, unprecedented times, this unprecedented moment. The latter word is probably the most uncommon and the most specific to the current situation. Matt Coggins, the operator of Arctic Sounds, tells us that across their album Shelter in Space, each track is named for the many empty platitudes that have come out of corporate messaging around the pandemic. The track, in this unprecedented space, will accompany us through this piece. Hello everyone, I'm Zoltan Boldejashimon and I'm going to say a few words about the notion of the unprecedented. The word unprecedented has actually been on a steady rise even before the coronavirus hit the globe. But when COVID-19 kicked in, it just went off the charts, which poses the question of what exactly is unprecedented here and what does it mean that something is unprecedented? To begin with, I think it's useful to distinguish between the word and the concept. There's no question that the word unprecedented is frequently deployed today. But the point I'd like to make in the next few minutes is that the word itself does not offer much for trying to understand the situation we're in. The word simply lacks the profundity of the concept, which, in turn, precisely because of its depth and degree of sophistication, wouldn't really justify our newly acquired habit of calling lately every single occurrence unprecedented. But that's exactly how the concept gives weight to that which it identifies as the radical novelty of the situation. So we may indeed experience something unprecedented these days, these months, but I think it's best not to deflate the notion and reserve it for capturing this genuine radical novelty of the situation. 
So to understand what this means and to get a better grasp of the difference between the word and the concept, let's start with the word unprecedented. So being applied to singular events, the word means precisely what it suggests, an event without precedent in the past. It typically refers to the fact that within the known order of things, and that's an important qualification that it's within the order within the known order of things, something is happening for the first time, or something is, so to speak, breaking previous records. Let's have two quick examples. First, imagine that you have a cat, and your cat gives birth to a purple kitten. There have been no purple cats before, but now you have one, and it's the first, and that's it, it's unprecedented. Second, imagine that you're watching a sports event. The women's 100 meter freestyle at the 2024 Olympics or the Champions League final of the same year. And then, in the swimming scenario, the winner breaks the record. It's under 50 seconds, it's 49.78, and it's mind blowing, it's unprecedented. Or, in the football scenario, a player comes in from the bench in the 57th minute and scores a hat trick in a Champions League final. Again, it's mind-blowing, never happened before, it's unprecedented. On the level of the word applied to events, unprecedented doesn't mean anything more than this. It's essentially firsting, it's something being the first, something breaking previous records. The first purple cat, the first hat-trick in a Champions League final, the first authorized women's 100-meter freestyle swimming under 50 seconds, and even the first truly global pandemic. The most important thing to note is that in each cases the known order of things remains intact. What we have is a minor addition to that known world and we leave the confines um, of that or, uh, order of things essentially undisturbed. Because there have been players scoring a brace in Champions League finals. And there have been swimmers between um, uh, 50 and 51 seconds in women's 100 meter freestyle. There have been cats of many colors, or for that matter, there have been cats before in the first place. Similarly, there have been pandemics before, even pandemics of global outreach. Although, of course, there may be some uh, important reasons to call the recent as the first truly um, global pandemic. Again, you can go on with the examples, you can go to sub-events and say that there have been runaway unemployment stats too, despite of course the novel component in the recent US stats with the sudden unparalleled peak and so on. You can add many many more examples. But what you have in these cases is a new addition to a larger family of existing things. Now, the interesting aspect uh, of such contextualization within the known order of things is, uh, on the level of the world, that once you put the unprecedented into different contexts over time, it no longer appears as unprecedented. And that's exactly what history does. It domesticates experienced novelty by looking for past precedents of recent events and putting uh, the new into the context of a longer uh, trajectory, of a longer story, of a longer line of development. And with 
that uh, projecting modern historical thinking over the perceived unprecedented, we actually enter the conceptual level. So we have the level of the word, telling that some event or occurrence is the first, and then modern history enters to tell you that, yes, sure, it's the first in this minor sense, but it's in fact just part of a larger story of development. Now, none of this has much to do yet with the concept of the unprecedented. So while the word unprecedented lacks profundity, modern historical thinking works on the conceptual level, but it denies the possibility of anything being truly unprecedented. So let's see how unprecedented, the recognized unprecedented and not the domesticated one, looks at the conceptual level, which is something that I've been trying to explore in several articles and a book I wrote uh, much before the recent unprecedented events with the title History in Times of Unprecedented Change. So the unprecedented as a concept becomes a category far more profoundly linked with time, history and change. Then the novelty you experience, the event you live through, or the event you expect to take place, appears as one that sets some momentous change in motion. So to be clear, what's unprecedented uh, on this level is not simply the event itself. It is the change that the event triggers. So you have unprecedented change, a change that does not simply unfold out of past conditions over the course of a historical process, but uh, one that suddenly erupts in the shape of a game-changer event, bringing about a whole new world. And this, this kind of change, it, it truly boggles the mind. For how do you make sense of unprecedented change if, by definition, it defies everything you are familiar with and everything that's known to you. This, uh, this habitual historicization that I described a minute ago is most certainly an option and that's what we witness uh, everywhere these days. But what it tells you is precisely that there is nothing unprecedented here and if honestly I think it, uh, it does more harm than good in as much as it's uh, it's, it's, it's the inability of modern historical thinking to recognize radical novelty. To be able to recognize the unprecedented, you need to break with, uh, with historical thinking as we know it, and you need to find a way to credit the unprecedented as an alternative sense of historicity. So what we have on the one hand, why is it an alternative sense of historicity? is because, on the one hand, unprecedented change is still change over time. Yet, on the other hand, it's anything but change as we know it. For, um, for it means precisely that there is no context into which you can put uh, the event that you think about as unprecedented. That you cannot tell a story of how the pre-eventer world uh, has developed into being the post-eventer world because it's two different worlds, the pre-eventer and the post-eventer in as much as you have unprecedented change and you cannot sketch a conventional historical trajectory that leads from one to the other. And this event in between the two worlds 
is one that stands between two orders of things. It signals a change that does not merely add yet another first occurrence to the known order of things. It brings about a new order of things instead. Now, among, among humanities theories, Kuhn's paradigm changes or Foucault's shifts in the epistemy come closest to such unprecedented change. But this is, of course, not the occasion to get into technical discussions, and I would like to focus on what, what points beyond Foucault and Kuhn. So what I want to highlight is that the relation between the pre-evental and the post-evental worlds is not simply that of discontinuity. I think it's, it's a kind of a lazy thinking to automatically align immense ruptures with the notion of discontinuity, because discontinuity is just the counterpart of continuity. They work, both work, within the known order of things. Discontinuous change is the most radical change you can get within one order. But to describe the unprecedented change that brings about a whole new reality, this connection seems to be a much, much better term. Because what you have in unprecedented change is not simply a discontinuity between past and future, but the disconnection of past life worlds and future life worlds. My favorite example for this is uh, the, the technological singularity. So roughly speaking, this refers to a runaway technological future in which greater than human intelligence is created. So again, let's spare the technical discussions of how exactly this may happen through scenarios of brain emulation, cognitive enhancement, or non-human artificial general intelligence. What matters for now is that the, wor uh, the world that could spring out of the creation of greater than human intelligence is, by definition, inaccessible to our uh, human cognitive capacities. The tech uh, okay, so the technological singularity may be quite an extreme example, but that's exactly why it's useful to um, um, it's useful in illuminating the point I'm trying to make that the post-event reality of unprecedented change is unfathomable prior to the event, even in midst of the event that triggers this change. So to sum up, the unprecedented on the conceptual level is far more than something being the first or breaking previous records as was the case with uh, the unprecedented as a word. As a concept, the unprecedented implies a change that escapes the known order of things and brings about a new reality. What we can meaningfully debate in this respect is the event itself that triggers unprecedented change, but not the post-evental world that disconnects from our past experiences. Now, so let's, let's return to the current situation with all this in mind. And I think it's not hard to see how it may indeed be unprecedented in many respects on the level of the world. But whether we live through an event that triggers unprecedented change, well, that's, that's quite another thing, and that we will know only in retrospect when looking back to uh, the pre-event reality from the post-event one. The question, the question we need to ask today, the question we can reasonably pose, is not that of how uh, the post-pandemic and the, the post-crisis uh, world will look like. The question we can reasonably pose is, what will be the next crisis? What will be the next unprecedented? Because the candidates are, are countless. 
there is the potential technological singularity I just mentioned. There is the ongoing sixth uh, mass extinction event, perhaps a potential quantum event or an abrupt change in the condition of the Earth system or a far deadlier and uh, aggressive disease. So all these examples, as this brief list indicates, uh, the unprecedented is anything but unexpected. We, uh, we pretty much expect the unprecedented to happen. Yet, we, we, we still keep on being surprised when it does happen. And the case is so because despite all scenarios we imagine, we cannot foresee the exact, uh, the exact shape unprecedented change takes. As any effort to foresee the shape of things to come is grounded in previous experience, and as the unprecedented is that which defies previous experience, foreseeing the exact shape would mean that it's just, it's just not unprecedented. So we can, we can expect the trigger event to happen that disconnect the future from the past and the present, but it's impossible to foresee the content of the change prior to the change taking place. Now, this, this experience of disconnecting from all previous experiences is, is precisely what's, I think, characteristic of our age. What defines our times is not one unprecedented event, but the fact that we expect incredible many unprecedented changes to take place. And this, I think, is also how history appears to us today, not as a developmental process, but as a series of unprecedented changes ahead of us. And if, by any means, the current event ends up qualifying as unprecedented change, what's coming is likely not a post-evental order, but the next unprecedented change. Thanks for listening. Our thanks also to Soldan Boldijas Simon. Do send us your feedback and proposals at a.brainchat at ucl.ac.uk. Music is by Arctic Sounds and the BBC Sound Archive. Communications are by Patricia Mascarey Jumbard. Production and edition are by me, Albert Brenchat Aguilar. And executive producer is Tamar Garb. Look after yourselves and others. And see you soon.